Welcome back, Doom Doom Bippers. It's another episode of the Hoffcast. This is uh, Friday, April 17th in the year 2020. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Is everybody okay? We're still uh, sheltering in place, as they say, but it, you know, it, it's starting to feel like maybe there's going to be a light at the end of this tunnel if we all uh, stay strong for a couple more weeks. So hang in there, you guys. Uh, stay safe. Um, plenty of ways we can entertain ourselves, and I'm glad that you guys chose to listen to uh, the Hoffcast as part of your entertainment regime. Um, some of you might be celebrating a little extra. You got a little uh, stimulus in your bank account. Uh, a lot, that happened for a lot of people. And if you're uh, watching on social media, like seeing people like, got mine, got mine, and everybody's all smiles, and yet some of us are like, huh. Haven't gotten mine yet. What's happening over there? And what I read is don't panic, because if you made a certain amount, then you're doing fine anyway, and you don't need it. Um, but if you haven't gotten it yet, and you're expecting it, uh, there could be a lot of different reasons. One of which, which I don't, which is me, and I don't think that uh, you should do the other. But uh, we, some of us, haven't given the government direct. Uh, deposit <laughs> direct access to our bank accounts <laughs> when we need that money ASAP. Um, and I think, I mean, does anyone else feel like it's a bad idea to give the government direct access to your bank account? Doesn't that seem like a horrible idea? Like in the long run, like, yes, you'll get things faster, but I don't trust anybody with their fingers directly in my bank account. And of course, I'm a hypocrite. Because I've got Venmo and they they're they're in there. My uh, my um, the guy that the bank that has my mortgage, they've got direct access. My HOA's got direct access. I guess there's a lot of hands inside my bank account, but I just feel like the government that just shouldn't be one of them. Feels like if things go sideways, they're gonna be like, and we're taking this, and and they'll all of a sudden be monitoring deposits. Like all of a sudden they'll be like, whoa 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 whoa, where'd you get that twenty dollars, Nick Hoff? Where'd that come from? And you you know you forgot that you were supposed to report that twenty bucks you won at the poker game. Uh, so I just I feel like it's not a great idea, but I, I do wish I had the stimulus right now. Although I don't know what I would spend it on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd just buy like $1,200 worth of scratch-offs and just hope for the best. Um, no. Uh, so far, we're doing okay. We're just, you know, laying low here at the Hoff House. Been able to crank out these podcasts. I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. Um, another thing I want to talk about, though, before we get into this week's guest, is uh, I saw that Apple and um, and Google are combining. And and you know, every article you saw was like, "This is great. They're they're joining forces to create this what they're calling contact tracing." So they can figure out if you have coronavirus, who did you come in contact with? Who did those people come in contact with? And it's sort of this like STD who's who of who did you sleep with? And and so they can do this. Now, this is a positive thing in tracing who you've come in contact with, who possibly could have been passed, uh, who you could have passed this virus along to. But... And this is a huge but, you guys, and we need to all team together as Americans on this. Like, this is a good thing, and it should be forced upon us. It should be something that they're like, okay, this is going on your phone. Here it is. That way we can tell who you've come in contact with because it's, it's monitoring, like pinpointing exactly where you are and pinging off of everybody else's phone. And this is a level of invasion of privacy that needs to be We all of your ears should be perking up right now. Because this is a serious invasion of privacy. And when used for this particular purpose, it's not a bad thing. But when have you ever given anybody anything and expected them to give it back? Okay, I, I use the example time and time again of when airlines were having problems. They're like, hey, we just need to charge for uh, for your checked bags just for a little bit because gas prices are high, you guys. So we just need to charge a little bit right now. When gas prices go back down, we can get rid of that. Well, gas prices went back down. Guess who's still getting charged for bags? Yeah, you don't get, <laughs> okay? Once a company or a government has something from you, they never give it back. So 
There have to be very specific guidelines on this. It should be forced upon Americans, but there should be a stringent timeline of when it goes away. When this contact tracing software that's going to be put on your phones, when it goes away. And whether that's six months or a year or whatever we decide, it must go away at that time, okay? There's none of this. None of this loosey-goosey terms of, well, may, you know, yeah, we'll probably get rid of it at that point. No, it must, you must get rid of this uh, level of invasion at a certain point. You have to do, you got to set a date on it and say, I, I will say a year. Let's give it a year. You get one year of, of seeing exactly where we're going and pinpointing our, uh, our, our paths. But then at that exact year, no loosey-goosey, no maybe a, ifs ends or buts you got to get rid of it like this either worked and we are through the virus or it's not working and you got to get rid of it either way you've got to get rid of it and you have to put that stringent because if you give them any leeway they're going to say well we should keep this just to make sure in case it comes back or in case another virus comes like then then we've got the tools to fight it no that you cannot use it because i know it will not just be used for this okay these companies aren't developing this out of their goodness of their heart they are looking for a way to monetize it and and that's monetizing you that's that's taking your personal data and selling it and figuring out ways to and and the government's going to have this data too and they i do not trust them what okay if they can figure out a way to control you to control your vote to control that they're gonna do it and they, it's because they think they know better than you. They, that's the problem with big government is they think they get to this point where they like they know better than you. They're they're mom and dad, and you're just this kid that doesn't know anything. Okay, so we gotta make sure, guys, pay attention to this contact tracing. Okay, this may be the first time you've heard this term. Maybe you've already been reading about it. Contact tracing. It's gonna be a huge issue here and you need to pay attention and you need to make your voice heard this cannot be an infinite thing that happens to us okay trust me on that trust me i've already run the numbers people we here at the hofcast have already crunched all the data and we're warning you <laughs> i'm not a conspiracy theorist but you gotta you gotta watch out for that one that one's bad um now i want to get right into our um our guest on the podcast this week it's long overdue uh jason pollock who uh he's a creative director for brands like samsung starbucks espn facebook we talk a little bit about that but we mostly talk about he's also uh one of my best friends and we talk a lot about how we met and and just the psyche of making a new friend in your adult life it's a weird thing to do it's a weird thing. Like you make all your friends in like school and then you kind of hang on to them and then maybe a few poke in from work. But it's weird to meet a guy or a girl and like just there's this weird moment of you're, you're kind of sniffing each other out and trying to figure out like, is this person going to come in to my little circle? And so we, we talk a lot about that. And it was a fun conversation. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I certainly did. With no further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jason Pollock. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoffcast. Uh, my guest this week, long overdue, one of my best friends in the world. He's sitting right there. I'm looking at his face. He's in Bend, Oregon. I hope I was allowed to say where you live. Uh, Jason Pollock. Jason, welcome to the Hoffcast. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. It's yeah. good to be here. Uh, we both said we wanted to like do the podcast together, but like, and you've been in LA twice since I started this podcast, but both times we just ended up playing Tecmo Super Bowl. Yeah, all night long. it's 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 hard to top a, a Tecmo night for sure. If if you're worried, I'm keeping track of how many times you've had Neil on compared to me. Don't even don't even worry about it. <laughs> it's just etched into the wall <laughs> beside you, <laughs> just with a knife, like a like a height chart, but for for a broken heart. So what he's referring to is I've had uh, Neil Anderson on my podcast twice now, and um, and Neil and Jason and I have all played video games online together, as nerdy as that is. Yeah. Uh, so so they got a little healthy competition, but when it comes to uh, who's the best at Wildlands, there's really no competition. Neil's destroys us both. That is true. Neil Neil is the is the best of all of us. I don't know sure. how he gets so good. I I feel like he's got to be cheating. Yeah, I mean, I, it, you know, there's the whole conversation about video game 
players and like is it a sport and endorsements but the, i mean there you know there clearly is a degree of skill yeah. that you and i don't have compared to him no he's doing just something oh man oh well we don't we don't need to talk about that guy we can we can just focus on us jason yep. we met in 2014 would you say that's I think right that's right yeah 2014 uh yes because both of our boys our firstborns were both like nine months old and you moved into the house next to me in los angeles it's kind of pathetic but in los angeles you don't really get to know your neighbors often they just kind of live there like maybe you wave at them when you're taking out the trash cans or whatever but we had just gotten back from a uh a stint of performing on the road and i saw your mother-in-law walking the dog and i said hi oh yeah we're we're here we're done and and then uh, I think we brought over a bottle of wine, just like, hey, yeah, they have a kid. We should go over and say hi. And then, like, a couple days later, you went out of town and a hawk th- flew through your window. Yeah. Well, we never told you. That's that's something we intentionally do. <laughs> you got a trained tra- hawk. Yeah, that flies. Yeah, flew through the window. And didn't, I believe my wife came and stayed. Didn't she stay the night with you guys for a night? Yeah, before I really even knew you, your wife slept in my bed. Yeah, which is another tactic for how we make friends. <laughs> right, um, yeah. That's yeah. a good good point. Like, because, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I was out. I must have been walking my kid. I must have been walking my kid, and I happened to glance over at you had that big window right in the front of your house, and it was just broken into, and I was like, what the? And I didn't know at that point it was a hawk. but uh, So I called you. And you were out of town. You were like in Alaska or something, yeah. shooting a job. Yeah. That's right. You're a, you're a creative director for uh, TV commercials. Yep. And Adver- for advertising, <laughs> that's that that's the word you kids are using. And so I I like I had had you had written your number down on a piece of paper. So I like went back to our house. I like found it on the fridge or something. Here's Jason's number and. Uh, call it and you're like hey yeah i'm on set what's what's going on <laughs> i was like hey hey i'm your neighbor and there's a you, you, there's a i think at that point i had gone up i had knocked on the door nobody answered uh katie wasn't there and and then i like saw the hawk standing in your living room through the broken window i think at that point so i was like hey there's a hawk in your house <laughs> yeah and my worry was that that hawk was just like slang for some gang but uh it's <laughs> uh, weird what's weird is how like when i look back at how we met it was so in a way fragile like if that hawk hadn't flown through you know we could have just been ships passing in the night mm-hmm. at least for yeah. a while i'm sure at some point we would have interacted but for something that was purely coincidental to move to the house right next to yours right. to have that hawk fly through the window it be it was such a meaningful chapter in our lives to live like, I don't know how many, you know, people have ever lived next to someone that becomes a best friend. Right. Um, it was awesome, like, with your kids coming over and just, it, it'd be 9.35 p.m. and you could hang out because you didn't have to drive. And It was hilarious because we both had little kids and our walkie-talkies would reach, or our, like, uh, what do you call it, baby monitors would reach just far enough so that we could go right. over to each other's houses and still see our kid on the monitor. Like, no, he's still fine, he's sleeping fine, but we could, like, hang out together as a group. That was, yeah. that was, like, if looking back on it and you think, oh, man, those were some great times. But at the time, it just felt like, well, this is, this is awesome, but I didn't really think of it in that term. No, I mean, ever since we were neighbors, like literally next door neighbors, I, I have this impulse, or, you know, of like, I wish there was an app or you could pay money to a company to like, you know, personality match. And and next time you move, you know, you would end up living right next to people you really liked. Sure. It, yeah. just, it made yeah. everything better. It was great. It was fantastic. Oh, but you know what? We're missing... We're missing one of the funniest parts of the story, and now that I've set it up as funny, it won't be funny, but it's interesting, and it's weird, is, like, so the hawk thing happened, and and Katie and your oldest son stayed at our place that night, because you had a broken window, you didn't want, like, you're out of town, you didn't want your wife and kids staying in a house with essentially no front door, because anybody could have gone, like, right in. By the way, we called the Humane Society, they came, and, like, we had to hunt the hawk in your house, we couldn't find it, like, this was hours later, 
And so yeah. Katie was like, will you walk through the place with this guy? Because this is weird. And so me and the guy well, like, walked through your house looking for a dang wild hawk, and we found it, like, underneath in this bookshelf, and he had to, like, throw a blanket on it, and he took it to some, you know, wildlife refuge. Um, sure. And then it may have been, like, a couple of weeks later, you called me and, like, hey, are you a hunter or something like that? And I said, yeah, I hunt birds. And then you're like, well, you, I, I know this guy that says he's got this like feral pig problem where you want to come up and, and, and sit in a tree stand and hunt a pig with me. And I never hunted a pig. Yeah. <laughs> but I he was, had like six good outs on that ask. I mean, <laughs> you, you could like, yeah, like, I don't know you. You've never gone to this guy's place. Like, all of it sounded sketchy. Still does sound pretty sketchy. It was like my chiropractor's brother. Yeah. It was his. Yeah, the, the, the connection was flimsy. My chiropractor's brother owns a farm about an hour up north. You want to hop in this truck with a guy you don't know? I'll have a gun. You Don't worry, Nick. You won't have a gun. I'll have a gun. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was willing to take a chance, but what, what did you say to Sarah when when you told her I you just invited? I can't I would, remember. I'm sure she thought, "Hey, if this guy gets murdered, at least I get to move back to Indiana." Like I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really stoked you said yes, and then I was also a little like, "What's this guy? Who says yes to this?" Right? Kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> should have been suspicious of you, and I said yes, and you were suspicious of me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What kind of lunatic comes with a guy who has a gun? It must be a guy that's not afraid of guns. Yep, but we hung out in that tree stand. Uh, I mean, we might, I think we whispered talked for a while. Some pigs came out, but, you know, it was too dark. It was pretty uneventful, but uh, well, that, was, that was the start of our friendship. We were in a tree stand, which was just a middle-of-the-field stand. There was no tree. It was just right. like a tripod stand meant for one. You and I were standing in a three-by-three three box, 20 feet in the air. Yeah. And I don't know if I ever told you this. I, I'm sure I did. Like, I brought my hunting knife, which is like the one... I didn't bring any of my guns from Nebraska, but I have my hunting knife. I always thought, well, that's some level of protection out here. Yeah. Um, and I brought that with me, and it was mostly because I was like, well, you know, if we had got to clean a pig or something. But there was also a part of me that was like, if this guy goes berserk... <laughs> yeah, at least I have you something. You would me. <laughs> I, I, uh, I mean, I grew up in Montana, so there's a ton of hunting. And, uh, so, but I didn't realize, I think till later, that those pigs can actually be super aggro. And they'll, like, come after people, especially if they're wounded. And then yes. our hunt ended with, hey, this is getting kind of boring. Let's go walk through, like, the thick brush uh, and just see what happens like that was that was not a smart smart move no this could have ended up a, a little side note in the newspaper this could yeah. have been just two men killed 45 miles north of los angeles apparently idiots were eaten by pigs all all of if you look at the timeline all of our hangouts we started as like adult men hunting and we've just progressed back to childhood with all of our hangouts because we went from hunting and guns to flying RC helicopters to video games to making a cardboard fort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, what better way to spend some time Yeah, than just relive childhood with an adult friend? Have you been hunting since? Yeah, yeah, I go hunting, uh, I go bird hunting like, uh, Goose hunting, pheasant hunting every year with my dad over the holidays. Is that? Do you think that's a tradition you you'll you'll want to like get your kids into at some point? I want to. I want to. You know, honestly, lately I've been feeling worse and worse for the animals. I don't know yeah. if that's a product, a byproduct of having kids, and now you like feel bad about it. I remember I went to, um, you know, birds. It's something different. I only ever went like big game hunting once my dad and I sat up in a tree stand, which was meant for two. It wasn't as romantic as you and I's night. Um, and, and we went deer hunting one time. We like borrowed a rifle from, uh, I don't know, a friend of his, he like lent us a rifle. We had to go, Oh, this is, we had to go, you have to like go sight a rifle 
Like a shotgun, yep. you just hold up and you're either a good shot or you're not, and you can work on it shooting clay pigeons or something. But a rifle, yep. like you got to make sure the crosshairs are where you think they are supposed to shoot. So you go to a range to make sure everything's lined up and you got to make minor adjustments. And we went, and it was my first time shooting a rifle. And so I laid it down on the table on like the little bean bag, and I just yeah. rested my arm on top of it and looked down that scope, lined up the crosshairs with the target, and shot. And I forgot completely that this thing is going to kick because I had never shot. Oh, right. Oh, I lost you for a second. Yeah. I had never shot from my stomach or like from like an unstanding position. And I shot and the scope hit me right here in the eye socket. And like just blood is streaming down my face. And I didn't really realize it because it didn't hurt all that much. But I saw the blood pretty quick. And my dad's like, well, is it, oh my God, <laughs> he I, yeah. like, that's not good to be bleeding out of your face on the gun range. You think the worst, yeah. but it's like, no, it's this, but I was all embarrassed. I was like, it's, it's fine. Let's get out of here. And we just left. In Montana there, or I'm sure everywhere, but, uh, there was like a nickname for, for when you'd get those, like, you know, a lot of kids get their hunters, you know, permit and, you know, sixth, seventh grade or whatever. And. And there's a nickname uh, I, for a guy that oh, clips his eye with a scope? Yeah, like they called it something. I, I don't remember what it was, but yeah, that, uh, that, that can happen. That happened to me. And so <laughs> I don't know if it was aiming right, but we went deer hunting and uh, sat up there for a very short period. I was prepared to be there all day, like just because sure. you hear stories about people waiting and they see deer, but they don't get close enough for you. Like, that's not the right one. Like, almost right away, a deer walked underneath of us uh, with antlers. And I was like, all right, this guy's going down. But that I didn't really like. I didn't like seeing a peaceful animal, like, just kind of walk around, like, yeah. study it for several minutes. Like, a bird is a little bit instinctual. Like, it flies, it dies. Like, even goose hunting, when they're coming in, you you know, they don't really get close until they're at the very end. It just doesn't feel the same. But I, I shot that deer, and I didn't really like it. Um, so we never went again. So pig hunting was, was going to be... I don't know what we would have done if we'd have shot one. I, you know, it's, I've, I've always been like similar where you just feel that feeling like you feel sad. I mean, yeah. you know, especially like a big animal. Um, and I, I only went duck hunting one time and then it was with my brother and called in some ducks, I shot one and, but it was, it was wounded and it was swimming in this little like, uh, yeah. And I was like, Brian, my brother, gotta go get this duck. Gotta go get it. He's like, no, 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 we'll get it at the end. I'm like, I'm not letting it suffer. Like, I can't stand right, it. Right, right, right. suffer. So we get out there in this little aluminum boat, and uh, I'm like, what do you do? You just you just grab him by the neck and kind of – and he's like, yeah. Just, <laughs> all I had to do was basically hold it by the neck, and it would have just you know been enough. But I grab that thing out of the water and stand up like a cowboy – and mm-hmm. start like lassoing the thing, and the next thing I know, I see the duck flying yep. away from me, and I look in my hand, and there's the rest of the duck. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Didn't that go well? Yeah, you got to wring their neck to put them out of their misery, but yeah, the smaller birds, that can happen. Like a goose, is you really got to go for it, but yeah, that kind of has made me start to feel a little worse. Like I want to take my kids there, because that's what I remember is it was bonding with my dad. Right, yeah. Like, it was more than the hunting. It was that I got to sit in a car. Even, like, the drive from our house to the to the goose pit takes a couple hours. And just having that alone time with your dad is kind of like a magical moment. So that's yeah. that's what I really want. Like, the hunting is kind of a side note, and that's, that's fun, and it's exciting when you get something. But it's really just that time. Yeah, there's something so special about time that's like, you know, it's not... It, it just, just can be aimless and you have as much time or you can be quiet like that. That's a really special time. I think with the parent, I have a lot of memories like that with my dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you know, we'd listen to Paul Harvey or, you know, I, uh, one thing it's the only time my dad would ever get fast food is early morning ice fishing, hash <laughs> brown, a small coffee and a sausage egg McMuffin from McDonald's. That's awesome. Yeah, all those fun little I just took the boys fishing uh, this week a couple times. I saw the pictures, yeah. Yeah, went really well. Some nice big brown trout uh, out of the Deschutes River. Um, and when when I took them and we caught one, I was like, "Should we keep it? We're gonna. You guys want to eat it?" Yeah. And they're all excited. 
And I, you know, I went to get the fish and do all that. And I was, I was a little nervous how they were going to react. Uh, but they, they seem fine with it, which, you know, they're four and six, but I remember being like 15 and feeling sad, <laughs> killing a fish. Oh yeah. So I don't know if I'm doing something right or something very, very wrong. I know that's the question we always ask ourselves with our kids. Like, is this, was that a serial killer trait that just yeah. occurred yeah. Or, or is this kid tough? Like, yeah. I don't know the difference. It can go either way at this point. Yeah. I remember my sisters first caught a walleye, uh, Johnson Lake in Nebraska, and my grandpa said, well, do you want, what, you want to throw it back? And they said, no, we want to keep it and eat it. And so he, like, did that, and he got out his knife, and, and Grandpa Hoff just, like, filleted the fish right there, and they're screaming, no! <laughs> grandpa killed the fish! Yeah, yeah. I think it's catch and release after you eat. So yeah, it's it's hard to tell, and I so I, yeah, I want to have those moments with my boys. You know, have have those special moments. And I don't know if it'll be hunting. You know, we almost took Indiana. He's six now. We almost took him goose hunting. He could sit there in the pit and just be with his cousins and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. In the end, it was just like oh, it's too early to wake him up. He'll be miserable. He won't sit yeah. there all day. So he's still a little young. But, you know, trying to have those moments that don't feel manufactured. You know, I, I've tried to manufacture a special Hallmark moment with my kid, like thinking, oh, this would be really nice. And then he just, like, tells me he hates me or something. And you're like, okay. Do you – so here's a question. You know how much – I feel like things have changed so incredibly fast, like specifically around, like, men and parenting, you know, if it's from spanking or just being more emotional – Right. Like, I've, you know, these are obviously generalizations, but how fathers interact with their kids in the last couple generations has mm -hmm. shifted. I, I'm really curious what the next two generations is going to look like. Like, are we going to swing maybe back a little bit to where we were, or are we just going to keep going with, you know, the path, on the path we're on? I think that's going to be really interesting. I know. I, I always picture the movie... Um... Uh, meet the parents well it's the second yeah. one where they go to meet uh dustin hoffman and he's just always like kissing on his kid and hugging him and so proud of him i feel like that's the dad that i am i'm not sure that's the dad i want to be but i think i think it is i want to be the guy that's like you're a little bit embarrassed because i'm just you know so in love with you i i i have a crush on my children i i hug and wrestle i i can't i love, <laughs> I love affectionate i still kiss them all the time um, the one, the one, and I think it's good. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 sometimes I'm like, well, am I almost being like selfish with over, you know, indulging right, and, like, right. and stuff? Like, would it be better for them to not be that way so much? But one, uh, one thing that's interesting, and I wonder if you've, you felt this too, raising kids is like my wife and I will talk and when it comes to discipline, it can be really tricky at this age, right? Yeah. Like the the thing I don't want to lose, and I don't know how my dad had it with me, but like I remember as a kid, there was a look my dad had, and my dad was very calm. Like, don't really remember like spankings. He never lost his temper. Uh huh. But I that you knew the moment when you like were gonna cross the line <laughs> and gonna get real, you know, and I. I'm like, I still think that's a good thing to have as a dad or just as a parent, but I, I don't know the roadmap to, to like instill that in them, you know? I think they probably have it without us knowing. Um, Indiana uh, did something the other day, and I, I reacted. I was trying to be funny, but he thought I was mad, and oh. he kind of like started to cry. I was like, why, why, whoa, whoa, what's this, what are you doing? That's a joke. And he goes, oh, you scared me. And I was like, I think, so even though I'm constantly telling him I love him and squishing him up and stuff like that, I think there's still something with a six-foot man coming at you. <laughs> That's true. Just like, basic survival, that. maybe. It's just there. It's just there. We, yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's, that's a good point. It's possible. But yeah, my dad had that too. And then... Yeah, like seek out the mom to make you know to rub your back at night to like make you feel okay yeah. about the day when you're sad about a girl or something. Yep, yep. Yeah. Very similar. That's why. Yeah. Well, what you said was you know gender roles are changing a little bit, which I think is good. I think it's good for people to yeah 
you know, adapt and and say, you know, oh, would because so many guys, maybe guys older than us, but so many guys say, oh, I wish my dad had told me that he loved me or something. Like, I, I don't think I really have that. Um, you know, I always felt like I knew my dad loved me and cared about me. Uh, but I, I always wonder, like, if we're changing gender roles too much and then that will do something weird to our kids. Yeah, I, I agree. I like no one really knows, but um, I think it's good to think about. I like, sure. um, yeah, especially the whole thought of, of, I mean, I remember the first time I thought like, oh, am I selfishly motivated by how much I like physically hug and kiss and mm-hmm. it like at some point you can't overdo even the good stuff. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think we, with all the books and, and blogs, like, I don't think we really know the answer. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, my dad, when I look back, the thing, and he, again, I, we're really close today. Love the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. He's awesome. But I realized, like, he over indexed on the, like, humility thing to such a degree that, you know, if I came home as a kid and was like, hey, we ran the, you know, we raced and won the track meet, it would be like, don't brag, you know. Or, oh, yeah. Well, good thing, you know, Scott was there. To, and you're like, oh, I just, I just want you to recognize, like, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Sure, like, sure, yeah. He was, he would shut that down, like, across the board. I mean, there in high school, we had a, a classmate at a, the local pond who had actually would drown. And we saw him while he was drowning. Uh-huh. He was going down. We sprinted over, me and three buddies, dove in. He was floating off the bottom, pulled him up, did CPR, he came back. I remember coming home like super pumped to tell my dad that story. You just saved the guy's life. Yeah, literally, yeah, we were on the front page of the newspaper and got a governor's award and we were supposed to be on that show Rescue 911, but that Oh, really? Yeah, with William Shatner, remember that show? Oh, that got it, it didn't happen? No, no, they like reached out. Uh, But yeah, you know, his reaction to that was very like, hey, you know, don't you know? Don't be cocky. <laughs> and you're like I just ah! <laughs> life. It's not like it was two people, Jason. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. get a well, big head, you'll drown. He wouldn't have drowned in the first place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe had you invited him to be a part of your group, right. he wouldn't have had to swim at the bottom of the water. <laughs> the fun. One of the funniest parts of that uh, that story was the, the high school uh, after that event. They said, okay, like everyone has to have a CPR class because the local pond was really close to the school. Sure. So it was, you know, kids were always there swimming. So the the high school was like, all right, everyone needs to learn CPR. And I remember when, you know, they came in with the dummy and people are going up and practicing. It was my turn. I was like, do I I even need to do this? Like, come on. I I got this down clearly. (laughs) Got one confirmed save on my belt. I, but I was the worst in the whole class. I was terrible. Like, my hands were in the wrong spot. I was doing it too fast. Can I ask you something super juvenile? Sure. So you said you were with three buddies. You guys pulled them out, did CPR. Yep. Did you do full yep. CPR? You? Dude, I, I will give you the most honest answer ever. We pulled him out. He was He was a pretty ugly guy. <laughs> might need to cut that part out. <laughs> Let's say he wasn't attractive at the time or since, but uh, he came out, his lips and eyelids were purple. Like he was, he had been under, I don't know, a couple minutes by this point. Oh man. He was all tangled in seaweed uh, at the bottom. So okay. we had to like pull seaweed off and um, he, we got there and he was unresponsive and I just started pounding his chest with a fist just hitting his and like I remember my emotion was more anger like oh dude you're ruining the day (laughs) you know what I mean yeah no it sucks and I was hitting his chest and nothing was happening and there was like I don't know if I actually physically paused or if this was just mental but I do know this happened there was a moment where I'm like the chest pounding isn't working I know that you're supposed to like breathe in their mouth and I hate to admit it, but I honestly was thought, ooh, no, I'm not doing that. And I just hit his chest harder. And luckily, <laughs> that's when he came back and coughed up water. 
<laughs> I, now I picture you in your gym class trying to learn it, and you're like, I'm already good at this, see? See, you just got to hit the dummy really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Do you have a yeah, more attractive dummy I can practice on? Man. Yeah, I didn't want I didn't want to do the air, you know, below, because I didn't want my lips to touch his lips. Can this dummy have bigger cans? I can't. I can't bring myself to put my mouth to her mouth. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Wow, we got a hero. I didn't. I get. I don't think I'd ever heard that story. If I had, I had forgotten. Oh really? You never had heard that story? I can't remember. I didn't really realize I was talking to a hero. Yeah, I mean, the governor's part of, award. Part of being a hero is you. Uh, you know, you kind of downplay it for a while. So well, you've been taught that by your dad. That's there you go. We just came full circle. Don't brag about it too much. Uh, now, he's I, gonna hit podcast if he ever hears it. Yeah, right. I think you've spoken lovingly about him, and I think maybe if if that's what he wanted to instill in you, then he would look at it and he'd say it worked. Yeah, for sure. And he, I mean, himself, like he himself is like the most humble guy that way which is you know it, it's a great quality to have for sure good to have a little humility but if you save somebody's <laughs> life i think so, he probably could have gotten out of the lazy boy yeah yeah i agree just <laughs> one half boy doesn't have to carry you all the way around the house but maybe just a low five <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> yeah. oh man well that's cool yeah i've seen these pictures of you going trout fishing with your kids and i think that's i think they'll always remember that yeah, yeah. And, it, it, you know, a lot of it's just the little in-between times that you can't plan. Just something you stumble across or it, yeah. it's all random moments that, that make it really fun. Teaching them to skip a rock or something. Just little little things yeah. that you might not have set out to do, but now here they are. Yeah, like we did. Uh, I made them, uh, didn't make them, but I was like, okay, we caught a fish. You got to do a fish kiss. They're like, what's that? I'm like, you don't know? When you catch a fish, you gotta give it a kiss, and you know they're squealing, and they ended up doing it, and then like that was super exciting. I'm sure they'll remember that. Or uh, I told them you have to dunk your head in the river uh, if you had a good day of fishing. And here it's you know it's still you know coming out of winter, so that water is is freezing. I bet. But, but they they did. They stuck their heads in the river, which is pretty cool. And right now, uh, Oregon doesn't have any rules about going out, going out in, in the river or anything with the whole coronavirus. They haven't set any like parks. For that. Yeah, no, they have like parks are off, but that just kind of open land is still fine as long as you're like six feet apart. So you can go hike through the woods and and go to the river, but no parks and right. Uh, yeah. See, I I like that. I think that kind of stuff should be open. Um, Sarah and I. We we uh we tried to drive the van the other day and um and it wouldn't start because we hadn't been in the van for two weeks and so the battery was drained and so I jumped it and I was like hey we should probably drive this around so Sarah said well let's um what if I just made some sandwiches and we go and we drive down to the to the ocean and we can just sit in the car like the beaches are closed but we can sit in the car and eat dinner and at least that way we see a sunset and you know the kids can we can roll down the windows they'll smell the ocean water. And it'll be kind of nice. I was like, hey, that sounds great. So we did that. We drove up to Malibu because I was like, let me just get away from all people. Because it's yeah. nicer anyway just to be along the beach when nobody's around. You don't have to look at people. And um, and so there were no parking signs. There were along the PCH, along the Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, but we weren't parking. We weren't like parking and getting out of the car. I was like, let me just sit here and we can eat our sandwiches and stare out at the water. And, and so we did that there for like a half hour and we're kind of finishing up but the kids were having fun and and looking out and you know oh it's kind of chilly out there and all of a sudden a cop pulls up i was like ah he's gonna come up to the window and say hey guys move along can't be here he's instantly taking pictures of the van and i said hey how's it going and he goes uh giving you a parking ticket because you're not supposed to be here and i go oh well we just we're sitting here and he goes well it's again they're parking no parking sign right there it's maximum enforcement right now and had you been on the beach that's a thousand dollar ticket and like there was no hey what are you guys doing he didn't like come up and like do you know why i stopped you even though we were already stopped like there was none of that it was just i'm giving you a ticket for this like i think if he would have taken a second and saw like oh this is just a family in a car like they're not around anybody we're pulled we were in a place where we were probably 10 to 15 feet off of the freeway so it wasn't like we were a hazard 
or anything like that. Right. But he just was like, nope, you're getting a ticket. So City of Malibu got $58. For sitting in your car. For sitting in our car. That's still social distancing. Like, Yeah. You know, I wonder, though, if it's not really – it's not so much you guys in that example, but did that guy have to deal with a 100 other people who were like – It's know, very possible. Like, and I give him – I give him yeah. the benefit of the doubt, but I feel like he could have come up and said, "Hey, what's what's happening?" And if I said, "We're just eating dinner in our car," like this isn't a, I, I feel like then if you give us a ticket, now you're a prick. Well, that's the thing. It's like if it was you and six buddies, and you guys were all dicking around, like it's you and your kids yeah. in the car. That's we're out on the beach, and you know, I I looked at the ticket, and I had my first instinct was like, "I'm gonna pay," I'm gonna post on social media that Officer yeah. McKinley of the Malibu. CPD, you know, but uh, it didn't have his name on it, so <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah, was, was it was a parking violation? It was a parking violation. He was a Malibu sheriff. Yeah, and came up and did that. It's like so. I mean, I guess we haven't been going out to eat, so <laughs> we haven't been spending a lot of money, but still. I saw you guys order, or you got takeout, and then you did you reheat everything? Like, we what did. was that whole? when you got your food so we went overboard but it at the time this was over a week ago at the time i think was at the max hysteria of it at least yeah. in terms of what sarah and i were going through and we weren't sure like how you could get it and i still don't know like if the we we just ordered papa john's pizza and we got takeout and so like i went by myself to go pick it up and so i walked in nobody else is there except for the people making it and one of those guys was wearing a mask so minimum contact there, but still, yeah. like, what if one of those guys has it and he coughed on the pizza? Like, I know it can't live on surfaces a long time, but now am I at risk? Am I putting my kids at risk? So, yeah, we took it, and we specifically got pizza because we're like, you can stick that back in the oven because we read somewhere that, like, 200 degrees for 10 minutes will kill it. Okay, gotcha. So we did that. So we ate slightly overcooked pizza, but the whole time we weren't enjoying it. Because you're worried about... The whole time I was worried. I was like, yeah. this isn't worth it. Yeah. This isn't worth it for I, Papa John's pizza. Uh, I, it's, it's terrifying if you really think about... Yeah, I ha made a really... I thought it was a okay decision, and then I ended up being terrified uh, this past weekend. Did I tell you a story about going fishing with the ER guy? No. So I met a guy in the river. We became friends. Uh, he fly fishes, I fly fish. So he's like, yeah. Hey man, I think let's, you want to meet up and, and go. And I'm like, yeah, if we stay away from each other. And he's like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then <laughs> the night before he hits me up and he goes, Hey, I'm pretty sure I've had it. Uh, I've had all the symptoms. Cause he's, uh, he's like doing the internship in the ER. Right. 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 He's like, yeah. So had I'm it like, like how long ago? Uh, like we went out on Saturday and up until the previous Wednesday, he had been like knocked out in bed 14 hours a day. His, his girlfriend also works in the hospital. She yeah, got of it. Of course. You know, now, now they didn't get like an official test, but this guy, you know, the guy's almost mm -hmm. a doctor. He's just doing his internship. And, uh, he's like, do you still want to go? I thought about it, and I was like, look, let's just, yeah, but let's stay, like, 20 feet away from each other. Right, like, right, don't, right, right. You know, we'll be really safe. He's like, yep, I'll wear, like, a cloth mask. So I'm like, all right, we're out in the woods. Like, that's got to sure. be super safe. Sure. So as we're walking back, though, we're kind of hiking up this hill, uh, and it's cold and snowing. And I look up, and what I realize and what I see is this big, like, billowy, steamy breath cloud come out. <laughs> realizing that about six seconds later I'm gonna walk right through it and was just like oh no to see you know because the breath's invisible like you feel if you're just six mm -hmm. feet away you feel pretty safe but to see it hang in the air like that I was like you idiot yeah in the cold air you could just see it yeah yeah <laughs> just a nightmare a hazy nightmare coming at you it was like a Looney Tunes thing where the, the it should have taken shape and spelled out like you idiot in the air. So what did you do? Did you like stop and be like, I'll be two minutes behind you? I no, I let get a little farther ahead, but I realized at that point like we'd already spent two hours walking on the same trail. And when was this? Know, right behind each other. 
That was on Saturday. That was on Saturday. So you're oh. on day six, five of, of your current quarantine. So this could be I, this could be the first guest that dies on the Hofcast. You heard it heard it here first. Oh man, wouldn't that be so terrible? I that I gotta release this soon because I don't know if I'll be able, I don't know if I have the stomach to release it after you die. Yeah, yeah. Do you have Do you have a will? Yeah. Am I in yep. it? I, do I get the I, I need to check. I've kind of let my wife handle. All I get the this. kids right. We we don't have a will, and this has kind of pushed that. And now everybody, I yeah. think I, I think I said this three weeks ago on the podcast that I got to do a will, and now everybody's probably just driven off the road, going, "You still don't have a will." Do talk, yeah. You uh, talk to Katie. She she kind of figured that stuff out. It's good to have, man. Like right. you guys. You have to go through, and the interesting part of that was picking who the godparents would be. You mean not really the godparents, be... but the kids that get them, the people that get them. Oh, right, not the godparents, right. The Yeah, like when you really think through who you would ask, because that's a big ask. Yeah. And what is. do you base it on? Like, do you base it on your friends or family that are most like you? Sure. Or, right. you know, it's, right. it's an interesting process to go through for sure. Yeah, we've talked about that, and yeah, we don't have a will, so we haven't landed on anything. We don't know what would happen, you know. Um, ugh, now, now I'm getting sad about it because <laughs> uplifting podcast episode. You guys just send us a copy of yours, and I'll just cross out your names and write Sarah and I's names at the top. That, yeah, Whoever's getting your kids, are they cool with three more? Yeah, they're yeah, they probably would be pretty. All good. right, whatever's good with you, I'll, I'll take the same thing. Copy and paste. <laughs> Did you copy off your neighbor? Oh man, yeah. Well, I hope you're okay. I hope you don't have. Yeah, I, I feel fine so far. So yeah, except for my, you, yeah. Who knows, right? This thing is like the perfect virus. It's. And did you see that guy that was talking about, uh, he, he's a reporter for like CNN and he was talking about the breathing exercises he was doing. Did you yeah, see that guy? Yeah, well, I saw one that was a doctor from Australia. Are you talking about I the breathing exercises where you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the doctor, yeah, they posted a video went viral for that guy, but then before that was this Cuomo, the Cuomo or whatever his name is. He's a reporter yeah. for CNN, like a uh, guy that's probably 40 years old, and he's been quarantined in his basement, and he's talking about it. And I didn't know who he was before this, but he talked about how, like, some guy, some doctor called him from a friend of friends, like, hey, you got, you cannot lay down. You've got to get up. You got to, does it hurt to breathe? You got to do it. Does it hurt to stretch? You got to do that. And yeah. then he started, like, okay, that's fine. But then he started talking about it in terms of, like, this virus wants you to lay down. It wants you to be meek. It gets in the lungs. That's why, because it knows your chest is sensitive. And it's like, yeah, I don't think this virus has a brain. Yeah, it does have a to-do list, yeah. You know, this isn't some Hollywood virus that's like, hee 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 Yeah. Makes for better news, though, to describe it like that. Right, right. So there might be something to what he said, but when he starts saying that stuff, I'm like, okay, there's nothing medical about what you're talking right now. Right. This virus is not malicious. Like, yes, maybe it wants to survive, but it doesn't know that, you know, it's Tuesday, so your favorite program's not on till Wednesday, so go now. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool if it did, though. But I, I'd be lying if I didn't do those breathing exercises that that doctor talked about. Oh, I, I paid attention, for sure. Did like, you do them? I uh, didn't do them, but because you're supposed to, I, I mean, if, like, you know, I got sick, I would definitely do them, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've had a chest tightness for the last several weeks, but it's not, I'm pretty sure it's just a slight, like, bronchial thing, because I get that at least once a year. yeah. Um, well, like now, now any sickness is going to be terrifying for anyone. Yes, yes, yeah. and I don't know how. I, I talked about this a couple of weeks, but I don't know how we're going to really get back to normal, even after, even after the vaccine, which they're saying, okay, so the beginning of 2021, if one of these uh, seven vaccines that they're developing, which uh, did you hear that uh, Bill Gates talked to? Um, Trevor Noah from The Daily Show, Bill Gates yeah. talked to him for like 20 minutes. And he said, you know, he, well, he said he donated 100 million. Trevor said, you donated 100 million, but this isn't really a problem that you can throw money at. Like, we got to figure out how to like beat it first. And he goes, yeah, but then there's like all these costs, like they're developing seven different vaccines and we're building manufacturing for all seven of those vaccines. We don't know which one's going to be the one, wow. but we yeah. will 
we're going to waste billions of dollars setting up manufacturing to make sure we are ready when when it says go that we have a ton of the one. I love how that who that guy just became. I mean, maybe he always was like that. And I didn't know, but like what Bill Gates has done with his time and money, yeah, and and it is so it's it's inspiring. The like Netflix was, documentary was interesting with him. Yeah. Yep. What was that? Something with Bill? What's that one called? Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, you just uh, search uh, Bill Gates on Netflix, you'll find it. And I only watched the first episode, but it was all about him solving like uh, clean water and like yeah. and toilet problems over in third world countries. I had an idea for a long time, uh, but I'm too lazy to do it. But I thought a cool short, like I wanted to write a short story where the whole premise was. So if you look at like. Oh, a lot of the world's billionaires are are all in the same age range, and okay. I was thinking, what would ha- could it'd be a cool story if like within a fifteen year window or eight year window, like forty six billionaires die, and they're all like the phil- philanthropic one. Like the the idea is that the world just gets flooded with all this research money, and like charities get you know right. flat cash. And that could it actually be a pivot and the world could really start making changes? Because like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, right? They're, there's some club or agreement that they've committed to where they're giving away like 99% of yeah. all their wealth. So it's like, man, what if that happened on a scale large enough to really start making some significant differences? I have two different reactions to those stories when I hear it. Like Bill Gates is kind of famous for saying his kids are only getting like some fraction of his worth, which a fraction of his worth is still a lot of money, but it's it's like, it's not even a lot of money, I feel like. I can't remember. It's not even a million dollars that I think he's given his kids. Am I wrong? Yeah. Oh, really? Am I wrong? I could be wrong, but I remember thinking, oh, good for him. And then in the same like breath thinking, if I were his kid, I'd be like, hey, let me be the generous one. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll make this decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it wasn't a ton. I wonder if this is a quick Google search. Um, yeah, I'm you... not questioning because I think you're wrong. I'm just more shocked. Like, because I would think he'd be like, "Okay, look, I'm only going to leave you with with ten million dollars." Right. Let me see what it is. In a Reddit AMA, the Microsoft magnate said his children will inherit. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now this is like the shittiest sentence of all time. Uh, The Microsoft magnate said his children will inherit just $10 million each. You know what, though? I I think your point's still valid because that is, I I don't know what the percentage is. It's less than 1% of his fortune. Yeah. I mean, that's still a pretty, pretty big deal. That uh, And he said, I definitely think leaving kids massive amounts of money is not a favor to them. Okay, so, but $10 million... Yeah. yeah, all right. Yeah. You got it. That's hey, a pretty hefty backstop. I have a que- what? I have a question. It's a little rhetorical, but I, I'm interested in what you'd say outside of like just money or a big ticket item like a house or something. Uh-huh. What comes to mind when you think about what you really want from your dad or mom? Like some item, something that just embodies what they mean to you. You know what's funny is uh, my mom and dad moved a few years ago and they were kind of doing that as they were moving because they were boxing all this stuff up they're like tell us what you want yeah and i didn't really have the heart to like i'm not ready to face that reality and okay. so i think if i just ignore it i i i don't go for it so i don't know i don't know what it would be uh you know family videos or or something sure. like that um but i'm not ready to face that morbid reality i and my parents know this about me because they did they updated their will like probably uh, 4 or 5 years ago and and I remember looking at it and they have their power of attorney is that what you call it when the person like yeah. when you can't yeah. make decisions for yourself like who basically becomes your brain and says what right. to do with you so and, and the most the most impactful thing of that is like if you're incapacitated and somebody has to make a decision about your health right yeah I am the middle child of three, and in terms of when they ranked, like, this person's my first power of attorney, this person's my second, this person, I'm third. (laughs) They know I I am too sentimental, and I will not let them go. (laughs) 
Because we did, when we had a dog, when I was a kid, we had a little cockapoo. And uh, this thing, you know, it's the size of a football. And it had terrible allergies. It was like chewing up its leg. And, and yeah. they had tried medicine. They had tried treatments. And eventually they're like, this is just going to keep getting worse. And it's painful for her. Uh, we should talk about putting her to sleep. And But the dog was six or something. And this was my favorite dog. I mean, I would cuddle this dog and, and, and play with it. Yeah. And we had a family vote at dinner. Uh, a a uh, secret ballot family vote where we all wrote yes or no to euthanize on a piece of paper oh, oh. put it into a hat and and then they pulled them out one by one and counted the votes and the votes came back four put to sleep one safe uh, and i was so- i stood up from the tables like murderers <laughs> i mean so- that explains why you're third on the list of how to make we, that decision. We joked about that, and my mom said the other day, like, if this coronavirus, if it goes bad, and I'm uh, just let me go, I was like, I'm not the right guy you're talking to here. Yeah, I'm yeah, that's tough. I, yeah, I, I, my dad, what would be the, uh, I want, remember what you were going to say, but what, what would be the thing that you would want from your parents? Yeah, uh, so he... My dad has this really old, shitty, like, Seikyo watch. Okay. You know, it's like straight, it looks straight from like 1987. It's like a plastic, you know, I don't know, $11 watch. Okay. But he has worn that every day of his life. He takes really good care of everything, including that watch, right? Like, he's had to fix it, replace the bands. Right. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of know, but I don't think I fully understand. There's just something about that that, like, symbolizes how I feel about him, huh. you know? Like, the, you know, watch, being on time, being disciplined, taking care of things, and, and like, not being, you know, not really caring what people think. Not either. being braggy. Yeah, not being, back to not being braggy, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've, I, and I've actually told him that, like, hey, I, you know, you got a cabin on a lake, That that's awesome. But I really, I really want that watch. So. <laughs> nope. Sorry, I'm being buried with this watch. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And what do you remember? What you were gonna say? I was talking about uh, my dog and how I couldn't let things go. Uh, wait. What? What? Was you were about to say something when I asked about what would you keep. No, I was gonna say the. Oh, okay. I so then say. I just interrupted for no reason. No, no. All good. <laughs> All good. Um. Okay, I I want to like uh, I I got a couple questions and then we'll wrap up. Um, one of okay. which is like if if someone came down from the heavens or you were just given just knowledge that the world like this is it this thing is going to take over we're all gone uh, in six months we got six months but um, you know come this November toast it's over what. What would be your reaction, and what do you think you would do with that last six months? What would that world look like for you? Oh, wow. You're the only one that knows, by the way, in this scenario. Oh, really? Yeah. Can I tell other people? You can tell people if you want, if that's your choice. And do so. And do I know that like it's just me with six months, or like it's going to take the world. everyone? It's, it's, it's over. Oh, boy. That is intense. Um... And you wanted to know what what I would do. What would be your reaction, first of all? Like, are, are you fearful? Are you like, oh, you can't waste a second? What? Uh, and then, like, what would you do with that last six months? Yeah, I think I think uh, sad. I I would. My primary emotion would be sadness for my kids. Sure. Right. Like, um, I think it'd be more sad and bummed than like fearful, maybe. But uh, you know, the upside is like that's still enough time that to have a lot of meaningful interactions, right? It's not like 24 hours where you're just, you'd be so consumed by, you know, that right. timeline. Yeah, man. I, I, th- I would honestly just, just spend it. I don't know. I'd get an RV. I would just drive between family and friends and honest to God, uh, like playing tech mobile and making dumb jokes. Cause that's, I mean, that's really the most important stuff. I don't think it would be like, I'm going to go skydive, you know, and like, right. it, it would be all the stuff I'd want to do on a Friday night, 
if I was feeling good anyway. Like, get my get some guys together and play poker and uh, wrestle with my kids and you know continue to kick your ass at Tecmo Bowl like I have for years. Um, yeah, just try to soak in as much relationship interaction as I could. Do you think you would tell Katie, your wife? Um, boy. <laughs> and is it her too? It's it's everybody. It's everybody. It's I mean, I used the oh, coronavirus as an example, but like mo- the idea is more like comet hits planet Earth yeah, and gone. Yeah, dinosaur I would style. Not, I would not tell her. Absolutely. You not? No, absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. You even think in a moment where you're like, "Hey, let's go do this," and she's like, "No, I don't want to do that. I just want to watch my pro. I want to watch my soaps." Yeah, it, what would happen is like I I would be like, "I'm not going to tell her because I want to protect her. I know this would consume her and she wouldn't enjoy it." But then I would get like in a little pissy argument. And she'd be like, "You didn't clean the dishes like I asked." So like, oh, really? Yeah. The dishes? Because we're all going to die in six months. <laughs> Are the dishes important? I mean, it's already October. Yeah, it would it would leak out in like a really like immature bratty way. <laughs> <laughs> and then she would be upset that you like not not her, but anybody would be upset like you've known this for two and a half weeks and you didn't tell me. I mean, just think of the panic and terror that would just and then, you know, they would just set the world on fire to. Yeah, you to would not enjoy the last six months if you told everybody. No, no, I would keep it to myself and just, you know, have as much fun and see friends as I could, yeah. Would you be able to sleep? I don't know if I could sleep. Oh, yeah, I can, uh, dude, I could go to sleep right now. <laughs> I, I, I'll take I, a I, nap I, in the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. is God coming what, back? Tell him I'll be up in a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you? You know, uh, that that's kind of what um, a decent po- portion of this podcast has become. It's kind of like you're looking into the unknown, you're looking kind of like into an uncertain world especially now and how you react to that and i usually react with jokes and it might be nervous laughter but that's how i respond to anything i'm the guy that's laughing at a funeral you know like that's how i respond so i think yep i would probably have a pretty decent stockpile of ways to make fun of the end of the world yeah but you know i fear death i don't want to go and i'd feel bad for my kids and i think i would take a good long hard look at you know when i can't sleep i think i'd probably read the bible a lot try and like make my peace with the end as much as i could but but i would definitely be making jokes the whole way my you know if if i die and i go up to the pearly gates i get to meet god and my goal would be to make him laugh like let's see Uh, that's cool let's see what's happening here (laughs) is this podcast sponsored by the bible (laughs) yes the modern version though I, and okay. not the ones that they stick in the hotels. I'd love it if you just cut to a commercial where it's like... Looking for answers in this time of uncertainty? Do you find yourself pondering the meaning of life? Well, look no further than the new modern Bible. The New York Times bestseller has been translated to reflect today's on-fleet language. And our modern Bible is easy AF to understand. That's right. When it comes to the Word of God... We crucifixed it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. More like, when things get cray-cray, don't sweat, just keep it 100. If you order the Old Testament today, we'll throw in the new one for free. That's 66 books for the price of one. It's the Bible. Ever heard of it? Use the discount code DOOMDOOMBIP for 20% off. Get on it, sinners. Um, is there a piece to give to anybody? It can be specific or just like the best piece of advice you could give any person in the world. You just stop a guy on the street and you're allowed to give him one piece of unsolicited advice. What would it be? Uh, can it can it be a quote that I really like instead yeah. of advice? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I want to look it up, but what I guess people could do that. Um, I, I saw this in like a coffee shop on a Tuesday at two, like it just, it was kind of came out of nowhere, but it always, it landed like really heavily with me, which was, don't talk to uh, me before I have my coffee. Yeah. Life's a beach. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm sure I'm going to get it wrong, but, uh, 
the the quote was uh, fear knocked on the door, but hearing laughter inside went away. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel about everything. Yeah, yeah, like which I know that you know, like that's that's kind of cheesy and simple, but I sometimes the most profound things are. I just I like that perspective. I, I it's one like I subscribe to. I think you do too, which is just like if you can find a way to laugh, um, and and not take things too seriously and just enjoy it, like you really can take on almost anything or get through anything. Dude, that's a perfect place to stop. Uh, right before we uh, end, will you do me a favor and say doom, doom, bip? <laughs> doom, doom, bip. <laughs> Jason, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. It was a pleasure. Uh-huh. Love it. Love you, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. Right back at you. Later. <laughs>